Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Picture Rewind, the special series on Oscar Central in which Lex and I will be discussing previous Best Picture winners during the Oscars offseason. Today, we are discussing one of the most controversial winners of all time, Crash. How are you doing this morning, Lex? This morning, um, not great. Um, but, you know, it's like one of those mornings where like a bunch of tiny little inconveniences happen and it just makes you want to like put your hands in a blender, but on whole, I can't complain. You know, that's funny because um, putting my hand in a blender is also what this movie made me want to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'm i excited to discuss this one. I feel like you're actually maybe in the right mood to talk about this film. Yeah, probably. So, you know, uh, but for those who have not seen Crash, um, don't save yourselves. But it is a 2004 crime drama directed and co-written by Paul Haggis. And it's about race relations in Los Angeles. And supposedly it was inspired by a real event in which Haggis's car was carjacked in 1991. Um, the cast is huge and includes Don Cheadle, Sandra Bullock, Matt Dillon, Jennifer Esposito, William uh, Fitchner, Brennan Fraser, Ludacris, Danny Newton, Michael Pena, and Ryan Philippe. It premiered at the 2004 Toronto International Film Festival and was released in theaters in May of 2005. At the time, there were positive reviews for the movie, especially talking about the performances, but people did criticize how simply and sort of on the nose the film portrays race relations. Uh, but it did earn $98 million on a $6.5 million budget. Um, Lex, what did you think of this movie? <laughs> I mean, I'd buy that it had a $6.5 million budget. <laughs> um, though, you know, in 2004, I'm sure that was a bit, it went a little heavy, or further. Um, yeah. I don't listen. The thing is, what's so frustrating is, like, when you put this cast out on paper, like, yep. it's a great cast. Uh, I love yeah. Donald, I love Sandra Bullock. Um I've only seen Matt Dillon in like three films, but one of them is Herbie Fully Loaded, which is one of my favorite uh, underrated Icon. Movies. Um, And I just, I did not care for this one. Um, it was a bit boring and I feel like it said so much without really saying anything. Like it was one of those movies that like calls your attention to things but offers nothing in the conversation and as I was watching this I kind of thought I was like is this a movie about race relations written by a white guy and I looked it up and I was like ah yes it is sure enough. it it screams movie about race relations written by a white guy um it's the very entire film it basically feels like it's like racism knock, knock it, off. it off racism knock it off racism knock it off for two human hours human trafficking knock it off knock it off <laughs> it made me think of that sketch that snl does sometimes where it's the high school theater kids and mm -hmm. they just start like chanting some issue and then but they don't actually i mean it felt to me like you know this is far from the only movie um where the academy has patted itself on the back for awarding some movie that it thinks is making some really big social commentary um when re in reality it's not <laughs> yeah. um, and so this really did kind of feel like a movie that the academy probably back in 2005 was like ah we did you know i don't think it's a coincidence that this came out around the same time as um the black eyed peas where is the love 
because I do remember <laughs> thinking that song was gonna save the world so yep no I that's the thing is that not only is it like the most simplistic view of racism that I've ever seen and basically it's just like racism is entirely because of personal prejudice and everyone is racist so like to the point that you almost at the end get like it almost cycles back around to like maybe it's okay because like everyone is racist and I'm like I don't think that's true but that seems to be what the movie wants me to think um and very like simplistic and at times stereotypical views of mm-hmm. certain races I know the way that the um like Arab characters are, are portrayed in this has come under some fire um and uh, like I really I was trying to give it a chance but that very like beginning scene where those guys are talking about like um which first of all why is ludicrous in this movie uh, but those guys are talking about like how you know oh like white women like and they they get scared when they see us on the street and like they shouldn't and whatever but then they literally go like steal their car i was like what and i should have known from that moment because it like it really didn't go up from there um there are a handful of like good performances in this um we'll talk a bit later about like specific oscar nominations that it got but frankly like my favorite performance in it was michael pena and i also think like he plays one of the only characters that like i was on board with the whole way through the movie yeah um because like i really liked what they were doing with ryan philippe's character for a while and sort of trying to like interrogate the idea of the corruption within the police office and like how even someone who's not you know the one like enacting these prejudices and stuff sort of gets caught in this like weird situation whenever you have systemic racism but then they were like oh we got another twist for you um and kind of threw a lot of that away I felt like Mm -hmm. and I also just the way in which they tried to continually be I I feel like it this movie is very much like racism is because of personal prejudices and did not really try to interrogate like how much of it is systemic and like how this gets perpetuated and all of that and the whole god the human trafficking plotline in this is insane it like (laughs) sorry I don't mean to be insensitive but like it sounded like how i feel like you can't debate a conservative these days without them being like well human trafficking and it's like yeah i don't know it and i agree with what you said of like it's this thing where it really comes in on personal prejudice and what i found weird about that is like it deals with police right and so yep. it's like you had an opportunity you had an opportunity there to talk about the systemic racism in the police um and police force which is a conversation we still have today it's you know it's a conversation yeah. we've been having for years and years and you know it still goes on today of like but no it's not it's not that the you know present justice system police system is inherently rooted in racism it's that it's like oh well no these people just don't know it's what and i'm like it's not always works my dudes i also feel like there was a a opportunity to have a conversation about like hollywood itself and racism with the the guy who's a director Mm -hmm. and instead it basically centered around this idea that like oh like people in the industry are really prejudiced and i'm like okay yeah but it goes further than that like Mm -hmm. it it has to do with you know 
who gets given opportunities and stuff. And I, I just really feel like it is, like you said, one of those movies that like wants to pat itself on the back for being like, racism exists. That's it. Like, <laughs> and, um, like someone I, you look at it and you're like, congratulations, you did it. You fixed racism. Literally. There was never a racist person again after they watched Crash. Like, truly, I want to be like, Don, what was what was happening here? Like, because he was a producer on it as well. I'm to be like, my man, like. I think, though, I do think, which, and I know we're going to get into this in a minute. Yeah. But at the time, though, because I guess, like, something that I have to remind myself is that, you know, 2004, that was pretty much 20 years ago at this point. Yeah. We were in, like, what, fourth grade? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, and again, maybe it's from where I was a little nine-year-old who wasn't really paying attention. I feel like we weren't having the conversations we have today about race relations, about police brutality, about, you know, that sort of thing on the level that, or we weren't having those on that level in 2004. Um, If we were, again, I wasn't paying attention. I can just yeah. <laughs> openly admit that. What's um? But it's what's almost it's weird. Like, well, yeah. hang on. It's just there is this thing where it's like though, I feel like at the time, mm-hmm. you know, compared to, which I know again you have like Brokeback Mountain up against with this movie, which I um, which I know we're gonna get into in a minute. But I do think to some level, I'm not saying that this movie is a good representation of this sort of thing, but I could on some level see how in 2004, where it's like we didn't have this sort of thing as often, that like it maybe was a bit more novel at the time. And just now, 20 years later, in the same way that we look at movies from the past that were like, oh, this didn't age well, it's the same. There, I think there is a level there of like, oh, well, now we know, like, yeah that this isn't how we have these conversations this movie would make more sense to me if it had come out in like 2009 like in that do you remember right after and we were young but like right after obama got elected when everybody was basically like that's it we solved racism we have a black president like because it, it definitely feels like along those lines but i looked into some of the reviews like from at the time and there were people like when it came out calling it out a bit um obviously 2004 was a time where like film criticism was even more so than now dominated by white men um who loved this movie (laughs) um but I also to me like having read some of the reviews from when it came out like it does seem like there was an element of like white men being like that's a movie about race so I'm gonna be like it's great um and not really actually interrogating like if it's actually saying anything mm-hmm. like you know they they also are kind of being like wow it says racism exists that is so true like yeah. but i feel like there were you know there were some other movies like in this time period that were coming out that were dealing with it at least in a more nuanced way than this and um i i it is it's one of those movies that, to me, it feels like if it hadn't won Best Picture, like, no one would ever talk about it ever again. I didn't um, know it existed until we did this. Like, I yeah. had never heard of it in my life. That's, okay, so I asked my mom. I was like, did you go see it whenever it came out? And she was like, oh, no, I saw the trailer and I thought it looked awful. And I was like, okay, well, you were right. Um, 
but it's it's very interesting because like i will say this for it like in 2004 it was employing a lot of non-white actors which i guess is like something that you can say in its favor um like i'm always happy to see michael pena booked and busy even if he is consistently underutilized um seeing brendan fraser in this was weird for me because it was the first time I'd seen him in anything else since watching The Whale. Like, um, since, since watching The Whale? Yeah, like, like I've not... Say, you've seen The Mummy? No, 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 like, I've not watched another film with him in it since I watched The Whale last oh, I literally September. watched George of the Jungle, like, three times since I saw The Whale. I, um, I truly, after seeing The Whale, I was like, I don't want to see this man again for a while. Um, but it was interesting to see him in this role, and... I do think that, you know, the way that the white characters are written in this film is, like, it almost veers into, like, comedy. How, I don't want to say that they're badly written, but, like, how on the nose it is. Yeah. Like, and how lacking nuance it is. Well, that's the thing, and I think that's the problem, is, like, it's so, and my brain's not fully with it in this moment, but if you give me, like, Twenty minutes. I'm sure I could think of like <laughs> other examples of like, well, like in recent history, right? You look at something like Green Book. Like I kept watching yeah. this, and I was like, this is the same Academy that gave Green yes. Book picture, you know? Yes. And it's just weird because I remember when Green Book came out. You know, my grandmother um, watched it, which you know, my grandma obviously grew up in a very different time, particularly yeah. in a small town of West Virginia. And she thought Green Book was like the best movie she'd ever seen. She was like, this is a good movie. It, it is like this thing where it's like, I think there's this generation of yeah. people who would, you know, who aren't necessarily aware of like how not necessarily just harmful, but unhelpful certain conversations are. And yeah. This was one of them. So I also feel like there's kind of this, there had to be particularly among the Academy, which let's be real, I'm sure I wasn't, a, I wasn't paying attention. When I say <laughs> I wasn't paying attention in 2004, I mean, I wasn't paying attention to the Oscars. I was not paying attention to anything that wasn't on the Disney channel in 2004. <laughs> um, but I think also, you know, the, we're still struggling now with diversity in the Academy. So I can only imagine what it was like in 2005 so in terms of like having diverse voters of diverse members and so i can only imagine in 2004 slash 2005 like how many people watched this and kind of had that same thought of like in that moment yes being reminded that racism exists that being reminded that police brutality exists whatever is like oh yes that that is enough that is all i need to hear right now um and so i think it's just like even though we still have so far to go obviously um yeah I think it was kind of a reminder of like yeah we do have leagues to go and I'm not saying we don't but we've also made I think at least some small steps in that direction right and it's the thing of I'd like to believe that if Crash came out today like it would not even get nominated for best picture but also Green Book won fairly recently so like who knows yeah um but I do feel like it and and to be fair, it is partially that, like, obviously we're in a post, like, 2020 world in which, like, I feel like the Black Lives Matter 
protests and everything like gave way to a lot more nuanced conversations but still like my biggest issue is i think like even in 2004 you can tell that this film like doesn't really know what it's trying to say like in and it feels very much like you know when men write like feminist movies yeah it, it's the same thing of like here here comes a white guy being like let me tell you about racism um and I feel like you can feel it in like every aspect of the film uh which also well, I feel like especially with this being based off of you know <laughs> the director's I think that's the thing is I think and I'm looking at the Wikipedia page because I think Paul Haggis witnessed this event and he went you know what I'm gonna write something about that I'm going yeah. to let everyone know about this epiphany I just had, but what he didn't realize is he had no real true epiphany. Right. He was reminded that racism exists. That's it. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah. we're reminded of that every day. So exactly. I mean, like, it, that's the, I think that's the thing. I, and I think every time I think about how it was a, allegedly based off of a quote, quote, real event, but not really, I'm like, maybe instead of making this story that doesn't really ha- that doesn't really go anywhere that like brings in more controversial things for the sake of just being controversial and edgy and eye-opening maybe instead of doing that yeah. maybe you should have sat back and like examined yourself for a minute done a little self-reflection and realized which, okay i'm suddenly now aware of this but like what am i going to do about it which Beyond okay being- like Having looked a little bit into Paul Haggis, because I, I truly, like, did not know much about the man before watching this movie, um, he was a Scientologist for 35 years, uh, and at the time of making the film was still involved in the Church of Scientology. Well, then why and did you only, make a movie about Scientology, buddy? <laughs> and only left the Church of Scientology in, like, 2009, and he's had, like, from my understanding, I know he was involved in a court case, I think that there were, like, other allegations as well and maybe other lawsuits Mm. um of sexual sexual assault assault. yeah so like which also i'm so sorry but knowing that he has been involved in these like and and was found guilty of like sexual assault makes that whole scene in which the police officer like yeah assaults a a black woman feel even like ickier to me well and it kind of makes the entire movie like feel ickier to me of like i mean not that i had warm fuzzy feelings about the movie to begin with but it's kind of this thing where it's are you really the person then to be driving conversations about these sort of topics? Like, who are you to tell me that I need to yeah. go examine my own life when clearly you can't do that for yourself? Like, Right. Like, especially like, I'm not trying to be controversial here and I feel like it's not, but like, listen, I'm, I kind of have this attitude of like, Scientologists can't tell me shit because like, at least, you know, whatever else issues I have, um, at least I'm not a Scientologist. So, you know, um, but yeah, like, this is not a guy who I feel like should be trying to tell anyone anything. Um, And he, I feel like looking at, like, the other movies that he has written, I'm kind of like, yeah, that tracks. Like, he wrote the Clint Eastwood movie, um, Flag of Our Fathers. Mm. There you go. He he um did the story for Letters from Iwo Jima by Clint Eastwood. Oh, okay. Like whenever you tell me that this is a movie written and directed by someone who frequently works with Clint Eastwood, everything falls into place. Like <laughs> I'm like, yep, okay, yep. I understand everything now. 
Um, because it has the level of nuance, I feel like, with which Clint Eastwood approaches topics in his movies. Um, God, I, yeah, this, this film. Um, do you have anything else that you want to say about it before we talk about sort of this film as, as Best Picture winner? No, I'm now yeah. just looking over the Wikipedia page and I just keep seeing things that shock me. It's it's truly like, like red flag Lover after red flag. Um, truly well done, Heath, on getting out. Well, <laughs> and so it says, and this is the part that like I'm looking for, it said Don Cheadle almost dropped out mm. to perform in Hotel Rwanda. And I'm like, but Don Cheadle was in Hotel Rwanda. Interesting. So did Hotel Rwanda like maybe it moved his filming schedule production did he right did were there other don jeetle things we didn't get because he went to go be in hotel rwanda i this is and it doesn't it that's all it says is don jeetle almost dropped out to be in hotel rwanda and so i'm just like well then where to go i guess that they must have just had like scheduling conflicts and they like figured it out but like he should have just dropped out to be in hotel rwanda yeah he should have just gone i mean especially because he clearly well, no, clearly worked out, but um, God. In a 2020 interview with Vulture, Bandwee Newton stated that Haggis ensured she was wearing special protective underwear for the police sexual assault scene because he wanted to, to look real from the camera's perspective for Mount Dillon to quote, quote, go there. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's icky, like, regardless of who we're talking about. But then with the added context of Paul Haggis, that's, like, double like icky. That. I don't like that one bit. I, I feel like even, I, literally, I gave this a one-star rating on Letterboxd. I might go take it down to a half star. Uh, <laughs> uh, I got I to stop reading this Wikipedia this. page. Yeah, right. Oh, I went to Letterboxd. If you're listening, please explain to me how you managed to do Hotel Rwanda and this without dropping out. Because that's all I was trying to find out. Don Cheadle, listen, it is amazing now that my least favorite film that you are in is no longer Iron Man 3. Uh, <laughs> I would rather see that one, Best Picture. Uh, okay, so this film was eligible for the 78th Academy Awards. Um, John Stewart was the host that year, which is interesting. That's crazy. Um, right? Uh, this movie received six Oscar nominations. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, Best Supporting Actor for Matt Dillon, Best Editing, and Best Original Song. I'm going to be really honest with you. I didn't realize it had an original song. It won three Oscars, Best Picture, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Editing. It also won two BAFTAs, uh, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actress for Newton, um, which is interesting that she won the BAFTA and wasn't nominated for the Oscar. Um, it also won the SAG Ensemble Award. A, a lot of people expected Brokeback Mountain to win Best Picture, and we can talk about why it didn't and why this did. Um, but it's interesting that this was a year that three movies won three awards, and it was Brokeback Mountain, um, or sorry, four movies won three awards. Crash, Brokeback Mountain, King Kong, and Memoirs of a Geisha. Um, I would have rather seen King Kong win Best Picture. I'm not joking. Same. That King Kong was actually pretty good. 
Like, yeah. Um, I also frankly think that it, most movies would deserve Best Picture over this. Like, to say that I think that, like, Brokeback Mountain should have gotten Best Picture over this. It's like, yeah, I also think that, like, every TikTok you've ever made would be a worthier Best Picture winner. Geppetto is a worthier Best Picture. Boom, there it is. Um, But yeah, so I, just to start off, before we, like, get into the whole Brokeback Mountain thing, um, why on earth do we think Matt Dillon is the one person who's nominated for acting for this movie at the Oscars? Because I don't think he's doing anything in this movie. He does nothing. I, no, Matt Dillon, I'm so sorry. Some Matt Dillon stand is going to decide for whatever reason that today is the day they want to listen to our podcast and they are going to then come for my neck. But Matt Dillon's one of those actors, I'm sorry, that plays the same, again, I've seen him in like three movies, but I can still say this with confidence. It's, he's one of those actors that plays the same character every time and like what I do not get what I do not get is in this movie where you have it's and again where it's about race relations yep you're gonna give it to the sleazy cop who assaults somebody yes where it's like because he later like and that whole plot line where it's like well later he saves her life and I'm like okay I'm like, I'm so sorry, but any character who has to have a revelation that, like, she's a person, like, like good for you. Like, it's just, I'm just shocked if anybody were to get not, I mean, I don't think anybody, I agree, Michael Pena is my favorite um, performance in this, but I would have at a minimum thought they would have given Don Cheadle one, at a minimum, right, if I- we're going to give it to anyone. If they were going to give it to anyone, I would expect it either for Cheadle or Newton, maybe. Yeah. Um, especially because I feel like those were actors who, like, at this point in their careers had, like, already sort of established themselves and were, like, I also just, like, think are giving maybe the best performances in the movie and also have the most, like, emotional plot lines. And also, if you're going to be recognizing a movie like this, it's very weird to only nominate the sleazy white cop character. That's why Who's thing. not like, even in it, like, more than other people? No, he's not, like, proportionally. And so that's my thing, is, like, uh, you're going to pat yourself on the back of, like, uh, and we're giving it, and, like, come on, that's also why it won screenplay, right? Of, like, oh, uh, we, uh, this really, like, uh, revelation of a movie but i think we're gonna still reward the sleazy white cop like i don't i'm I'm so sorry but if we were gonna be rewarding one of the like white cop characters i think ryan philippe is actually doing a lot more than matt dillon is in this film like i'm sorry but like matt dillon is giving like your average like cop you see on a tv show performance like he there's nothing the same there. guy he plays in herbie fully loaded yes so there's like nothing... he may as well give him an oscar nomination for herbie fully loaded there's nothing noteworthy there i also like i don't have like a huge issue with this winning editing but like i also don't see why it won editing I per don't... se other than that whole thing of like we'll give editing to the thing that connects a lot of storylines right like i don't know enough about the other nominees that year I'm not, so, like, I can't really testify to it. In terms of, like, winning an Oscar, like, I think editing is the least offensive. Yep. But, yeah. But there's, okay, Walk the Line would have been a better winner for editing. And it was nominated. Walk the Line would have been a great. Yeah, that was nominated for editing. And that's where it should, like, I'm not. But honestly, or even, like, Munich would have been better. Like, Frankly, I, I might have even rather seen Cinderella Man because at least that, like, 
I'm, I'm always interested in editing in like sports films where it's like how much of you portraying this person is able to do this is in the editing of it like right switching between stunt people and everything like this is like it's it's not a good editing winner no and it's not the kind of movie where I look at it and I'm like oh I bet that got nominated for best editing like yeah um obviously I feel like we've already touched on the fact that like this is one of the I, I I think that like not only is this one of the worst best picture winners it's also one of the worst original screenplay winners that yeah. I've seen like I, I'm not even a huge fan of the squid and the whale by Noah Baumbach but like that would have been a better winner like <laughs> yeah um hell I would give it to good night and good luck over this good night and good um, luck is actually a great movie right like it's it's really fun to look at this category and be like i i frankly i don't know anything about siriana I mean, and steven gagan but we have at least two sexual predators in this category <laughs> like personally i know um or personally like my best picture pick that year would have been brokeback mountain good, yeah good luck though is a worthy contender god i didn't even right I totally forgot that Good Night and Good Luck was nominated. I love that movie. Um, I also, I will say, I've not seen the, um, I've not seen Munich. Um, not either. And I've not seen, is it? Bodie? Bodie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but listen, it's a Philip Seymour Hoffman movie. So I'm like, yeah. I, I will so, believe. Like, I don't need to see it. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, and he won actor for it. Yeah, like, he okay. won actor for it. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to believe it's great. As um, I also like, I really like Walk the Line. I love, love, love Walk the Line. And I'm not, yep. listen, I don't disagree that Reese Witherspoon was a weird win that year. She's given yeah. a good performance in that movie. I don't disagree. It wasn't, it was a weird win. I'm angry, right? If like, if, if we can redo the 2005 academy awards and you yeah. took out crash and you put in walk the line and walk yeah. the line one over broke back mountain then we'd be okay get no qualms from me yeah i it's i will say it's a really weird year in best actress because crash doesn't have a female lead broke back mountain doesn't have a female lead right. um i'm assuming capote doesn't have a female lead like so they really were like where are the actresses? Which we also could talk about the fact that, like, none of the Best Picture nominees have female leads. Um, yeah. But I do love that Kira Knightley got nominated for Pride and Prejudice. That makes me really happy. Yeah. Because um, that is definitely, like, my favorite movie from this, from what was eligible for this, from, like, 2004 cinema. Um, but, yeah, I, like... You're going to nominate truly... Paul Haggis over Joe Wright, though? I you know what I mean like looking back I'm like well looking at this like lineup like okay yeah Angley and he won for Brooklyn yep. Mountain sure rightfully he so won for Munich um you know I am a known Spielberg fan I've admittedly not seen Munich yeah um, but okay George Clooney fine. like I'm not mad about it George Clooney George Clooney deserved it for good night and good luck yeah um but like Joe Wright should be here Joe Wright should be for here Pride and Prejudice for Pride and Prejudice Especially if you think about the fact that, like, that movie, I feel like, aside from Brokeback, is the movie from that year that has made the biggest cultural impact. 
Like, yeah. if you think about what movies from 2004, 2005 that people still talk about today regularly, I feel like it's Pride and Prejudice and Brokeback Mountain. Like, and Walk the Line. And Walk the Line. Yeah. But so like, where's James Mangold's nomination here? Yeah. I just. God, now I want to bring I was going to say Ring of Fire. <laughs> Walk the Line. God. Yeah. I, I don't um, even like country music, but you put on some Johnny Cash and you forget that listen, I listen. There's a difference between like country music and Johnny Cash. Yeah. Like Johnny Cash is an all-timer. Like I was just watching the episode of Little House on the Prairie, because yes, I do watch Little House on the Prairie every night before <laughs> I sleep. Um I call where him. he's this like he's this reverend with the good hair. And oh yeah. Sick and he rolls up into town. And he's like he like goes to Ingalls and he's like, Can I take your daughter out to try to solicit donations for the church? And George's <laughs> like, sure, why not? And so he, Mary gets to ride on a horse with Johnny Cash while he's singing hymns. And I'm like, wow, Mary's living the dream. I'm so dead over that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> wait. I'm looking through other things that were nominated this year. Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe would have been a best a better best picture winner than Crash. Um, also, I'm gonna go out and say it. Star Wars Revenge of the Sith would have been a better Best Picture winner than Crash. Um, I'm not trying to tell you that's the best movie I've ever seen, but I tell you what, it's better than Crash. Um, I can't perform a single monologue from Crash, but I can perform the entire final scene between Padme, Anakin, and Obi-Wan. So. Listen, that was a better script. Where was Natalie Portman's Academy nomination for that film? I'm gonna listen. I'm like, gonna say it, and I mean this with my full chest. Ewan McGregor would have been a better Best Supporting Actor nominee for Revenge of the Sith than no, Matt Dillon is for Crash. No, like, like, there's a lot of people from this year. I'm sure who would have been like, honestly, and I would not keep a straight face saying I've seen security holograph footage of him killing young. I'm uh, listen, Donald back. Sutherland in Pride and Prejudice would have been a better Best Supporting <laughs> Actor nominee than Matt Dillon in Crash. I actually I'm really love him in that Sutherland role. Defender, but okay. I wouldn't be mad about that. Right? Like, he's also, Where he was, has a um, better overall career than Oh Matt my god. Dillon. My my mind has gone blank. Um, What is his name? Where was James McAvoy's nomination for <laughs> Mr. Thomas over Matt Listen, Dillon? Listen, a better performance than Matt Dillon. <laughs> oh, okay. Real quick, though. You know what the 2005 uh, Academy Awards did right, though? Best what? animated film. There were only three nominees, which is kind of yeah. weird. And it was yep. Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, which won over Howl's Moving Castle and Tim, Tim Burton's Corpse Bride. Here's the thing. All three of those movies are glistening beacons of cinema. And so there was <laughs> no losers in that category. The idea that Wallace and Gromit, I didn't even realize this, is a is a best yeah. an Oscar winner makes my heart real happy. That said, Howl's Moving Castle is a masterpiece and so is Corpse Bride. Okay, it's very weird because it is one of those years where I'm like, okay, I do kind of feel like the movie that won is the least well-remembered film. Like That's, 20 years yeah. later. The right? Like <laughs> man, looking at I don't I've never heard any of the songs. Uh Dolly Parton was nominated for an Oscar that year for Best Original Song. Yeah, we love that. And I've never heard it, but I'm going to come out and say I think it should have won. Probably. The song that won is It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp. Which concerns me. Uh. Man, 2005. 
what a time what a time I was gonna be like what a time to be alive we were alive we just I was alive I just like I said I wasn't paying attention to anything not on the Disney channel I okay so I do want to address that like I do genuinely think Crash won because there were too many people in the academy who were too homophobic to vote for Brokeback Mountain for a second, I thought you were saying because there were too many people in the academy who weren't paying attention to anything other than that wasn't on the Disney Channel. I love um, that. Um, but you no, know, what I, I like, agree. Because well, think and that this is the thing. It. This is what I was saying is like we we have, and again, I need to make it abundantly clear that I'm not at all suggesting that like things are great in 2023. They are clearly not. They are very clearly not. But it is a thing where it's like, I look back and I'm like, the fact that the Academy could not give it to Brokeback Mountain shows despite, that we made some steps. And like, despite giving Ang Lee Best Director. Best Director. Like, and it getting that many nominations. It just, I don't. Yeah. I think it really does feel to me like they felt like they couldn't give it to, as people definitely called it at the time, still call it the gay cowboy movie. Um, And they instead said, well, like, I feel like, and maybe this is, like, doing too much psychoanalysis on the voters of the Academy, but I feel like they were like, well, I don't want to vote for the gay cowboy movie, but I'm still a liberal if I vote for the race relations movie, even though it was written by a white man and says literally nothing. Which, to that, which I totally agree with you there, but, like, to that, I'm like, I'm sorry, I hate to keep bringing this up, but, like, I really do love this movie. Uh, Good Night and Good Luck was right there. Yep. And, like, Good Night and Good Luck makes better political statements than Crash does. And I'm not saying that that's, like, that it's perfect, but it's significantly better than Crash. Yeah. Like, and I think that, you know, part of it maybe is that Brokeback Mountain, you know, underneath the actual story itself, is making really pointed statements about homophobia in America and about you know gay relationships and about toxic masculinity and i th- it's just funny to me that like the film that like on the surface is more of just like a story but actually is saying something got you know thrown to the side for this movie that like doesn't even really have much of a story going on because it's no, so there is no real story right like there's no like overarching theme other than like racism knock it off yeah um and it's it's saying nothing beyond racism exists which like i'm so sorry but in 2004 who didn't know that like like if this movie came out in like 1952 right like wow look at that but it's 2004 you know what i mean like even if it came out in like the 60s or 70s i'd be a little bit more like okay like you're making some bold statements about the police like right but in 2004 like all this had already been said it kind of feels like the fact that like green book to me is such an egregious winner and like even for that movie to have come out at all in the time that it did it's like are you joking me but I don't put the same level of judgment on, like, Driving Miss Daisy, which right. has very similar elements because it's like, okay, yeah, but look at the year that it came out in. Like, it actually was trying to say something um, that hadn't necessarily been said in that way in a, like, major Hollywood movie. I, um, Brokeback Mountain also was, like, I don't know if you have seen all this stuff. You may have because I know, like, you 
had seen it more recently than I did, but there's this whole thing about how um, Randy Quaid, like, actually ended up, like, suing Focus Features to get, like, more money because he was like, you told me this was going to be some tiny indie film that wasn't going to go anywhere, and then it became, like, one of the most popular movies of the year. Um, And they did, they like, they gave him more money. They were like, yeah, sorry, it was more successful than we thought. Um, Yeah, but I was like, excuse me. That's so interesting. I did not know that. But yeah, so that's the thing is that also like, it's interesting, I guess, to look at. And you could say that like, okay, yeah, well, it was like a smaller, like, you know, production that maybe people didn't expect to go as far as it did. Obviously, like the four main actors in it are people that today are like household name level but like you know what I feel like in 2004 we weren't taking in halfway as seriously yet like you know um she was right off she auditioned for broke back exactly she's like, coming right off the of, too like that's what yeah we, also I'm so sorry I like looked into the Randy Quaid thing because I yeah. didn't know that and like that's and listen Randy Quaid it's so is funny problematic <laughs> problematic man um we'll love cousin eddie forever randy quaid type typecasting and brokeback mountain question mark yeah uh. i'm like but that is funny there's <laughs> official right. statement was uh wait where'd it go um it was misrepresented to him as a low budget art house film with no prospect of making money like <laughs> funny I'm sorry. That's I have funny. so many questions. Who like approaches someone and like, hello, would you like to be in this art house film that has no prospect of making money? And, like, you, and you were like, yeah, okay. That's like, yeah, so on you, dude. Great. Right. I'm like, my, my also, man. Like, it had Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger, which like Heath Ledger, right. we're forgetting at that time was like, I was only paying attention to what was on the Disney channel, but I still knew Heath Ledger was like, a huge movie star at the time okay so i'm going to look because i was like okay where does this sit in his filmography and he had already done 10 things i hate about you the patriot yeah. a knight's tale monsters right. ball lords of dogtown like it is pre the dark knight Heath ledger but like right. still so, like, he the dark was knight already was the last like thing he did so right but but you know what i mean it's it's pre like i feel like that's the the performance that like Right. Other than this one, that really got like critical acclaim, but like, right. but like he was like the heartthrob, like you yeah. know, it'd, it'd be to some extent. I feel like I'm gonna say this, and God, I feel like I can't say anything without thinking like people on Twitter are gonna come for me for saying this. To some extent, I feel like it'd be kind of like if Austin Butler was now cast in a movie, right? Where right, he had right, like right. at least one big thing. He had yeah. these like he's had these roles of, um, you know consistent work but then one big thing that like catapulted him into mainstream fame yeah it'd be like if somebody approached me with a movie and it had austin butler tied to it i mean i would do it for free but if yeah. it was like um you know this isn't gonna make a lot of money i'd be like okay like yeah sure you know what i mean okay i'm looking and like i guess fair enough like Jake Gyllenhaal had done Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko. Now, but a lot of... Wrong year. That's a movie that should have gotten a best pick. I fucking love Donnie Darko. I do think... Hold on. I want to, like, make Donnie sure Donnie Darko had... Or Jake... Donnie Darko. Hello. Jake Gyllenhaal, at that point, he had Donnie Darko. Um, October Sky had come out, which, granted, I... 
I'm from West Virginia, and what October Sky is one of those movies that if you're from West Virginia, you've seen it because it takes place yeah. in West Virginia. Um, I feel like, do you know, you have to like go to a page to a page to a page on Jake Gyllenhaal's filmography on Wikipedia. Dear God. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I am looking. Brokeback Mountain is the first time Jake Gyllenhaal ever gets like awards mention from like any of the mainstream awards. And I think I want to check myself before I like say this, but I think it's pretty much the same. Yeah. For Heath Ledger, like he, it's the first time he's nominated for a globe or a BAFTA or an Academy award. So like, I guess there are arguments that could be made about the fact that like, you know, it is a, an indie film about what is still you know for all that i can say that like in 2004 we knew that racism existed in 2004 we were not used to seeing films that depicted in any way shape or form in 2004 (laughs) and it's it's interesting because it's definitely 2004 i remember it stuck with me for multiple reasons uh i was watching 13 going on 30 with my mom i was sick at home from yeah. school and it was on hbo and i'm watching yeah. 13 going on 30 with my mom and it's the scene where jennifer gardner pitches this new like campaign for the magazine and it takes off and everyone's celebrating that's what they're gonna do yeah and, um her editor is like so who took these f- photos and she's like oh my friend matt and he's like is he gay and jennifer yeah. gardner goes are you gay and he starts laughing, and I was like, "Mom, what's gay?" Yeah, okay, that's the like, thing. Like, in that's the thing, right? It's the fact that we couldn't even really allude. It was like a joke that you alluded to back then. No, truly, the fact that, like, in two thousand and four, a film portraying a gay relationship, and the fact that, like, we fairly explicitly see them, like, it sounds funny to be like being gay, but like in- engaging in gay behavior. Um, you know, we see them kissing. Like we, we actually, it's not like other films of the era where maybe there was a like hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Like the quirky best friend is gay. Um, so I, I do think that like it feels to me like the academy not being willing to take a step towards like actual representation of a minority group. Um. And being like, the crash is right here. We can pat ourselves on the back for being liberals. Um, but all of that said, I feel like we're very aligned on this movie. So what is your letter grade for the film? Uh, D minus. I'm not going to give it a full on F because I do think there are some little tiny baby moments. Yeah. In it that I like. And there are some yeah. performances that I like, but it, it, it's a no for me. So D- I am. I truly am giving a D minus as well, purely for the fact that you're right. Cause I was gonna be like F. Um, but there are good performances in this movie. And I like it particularly ironically from the actors of color in the film. <laughs> but also like Ryan Philippe even is doing is doing decent work. Um yeah, but it it's I would say it is definitely a bad Best Picture win and very obviously the worst of the ones that we have talked about thus far. Um, but also, I think it might be the worst Best Picture winner of what I have seen overall of Best Picture winners that like thus far. Mm, yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's Crash. I, I feel like this is a We Watched It So You Don't Have To episode. <laughs> Yeah, I listen. If you're a crash defender, please don't 
D and I. Do not interact. Do not interact. Honestly, just if you're a crash defender, don't talk to me in general. <laughs> don't talk to me unless you want to tell. No, actually, don't. Don't tell me why because you're going to act like I've never seen anything or don't know anything. If you're yeah. a crash defender, D and I. Yeah. Well, right. <laughs> on that note, um, this <laughs> has been another episode of Best Picture Rewind. Um, thank you for joining us on this train wreck of a review of a movie crash if you will a crash (laughs) um join us next week where we will be talking about a much better film um coda until then um i'm lex and that's nicole and uh that's the show